Welcome to the Agree to Disagree show, a show that discusses news, politics, and pop culture with your host, Luigi C. I want to see how many people I can agree to disagree with. We will try to solve life's great mysteries. Why is the sky blue? Why do we lean left or right? Why are we all nuts? Let's start the show. Welcome back, everybody, to episode 39 of the Agree to Disagree podcast show. Hello to everyone watching live on Facebook and on YouTube and tonight for the first time on Twitter. So excited about that. Uh, This episode will also be available as a podcast, as I tell you every week, on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Anchor, anywhere where you get your uh, audio podcasts. Guys, um, I invite you to bring in your your, your comments, your questions uh, for our guest this evening. Uh, so let's make this as interactive as possible. I know that there's going to be quite a few Boston Bruins fans, especially from Quebec and uh, from Montreal area, watching tonight. Tonight's guest is a Boston-based sports radio personality with Radio Pacifica, WMFO, and WBRSFM, and is also a podcaster with the Shukri Rights Podcast. Without further ado, guys, let's give a warm Montreal welcome to Shukri Rights. Uh, merci beaucoup. Shukri, uh, welcome. Th- thank you. Merci oh. beaucoup. Uh, <laughs> uh, thank you for having me you, on. You've been practicing um, your French. <laughs> um, I've been to Montreal before, actually, and uh, I'm actually extremely fond of the city, but not fond of uh, Montreal ca- Canadians um, fans and whatnot, so not, nothing personal to us Canadian fans, what? but... No, no. <laughs> it's okay. Be- before we start, I just wanted to I just want to um, tell you I found a really cool the little clip that you did on Twitter uh, in regards to Jonathan Drouin and the the mm. situation that he lived through. Because you know, before we're Boston Bruins fans, right? Uh, especially me being a Bruins fan in Montreal, we are human beings. So I just mm. wanted to tell you that I did appreciate that that that, uh, that little clip that you did in regards to Jonathan Drouin and what he went through, fighting his anxiety and um, I'm sure quite a few other things last year in the season. Um, first and foremost, thank you. Um, because like that, I mean, learning about his situation really hit home, and um, and for me, like I, I, I've, I've been very open about my battle with anxiety, um, especially since June of last year, mm-hmm. um, and and like I, I understood exactly what he was dealing with, and it was, it was, it's really hard to do like to to deal with anxiety and still be able to like you know be performing at a high level um especially playing in Montreal um where expectations are already are already so massive already so for me um i just wanted to give a voice to those who are afraid to speak because i realized that not everybody has the same kind of the same kind of like i guess you could say um like strength and the ability to you know to be as open and vocal about it and as i as i learned um and it's just something that people do i do struggle with and i wanted to um create, I'll make that video um like just because the fact that i understand as someone who deals with anxiety anxiety knowing exactly what that's like 
Well, it, it didn't go unnoticed, and uh, I could just imagine Jonathan Duane as a, as a professional, and I'm sure he's not the only one, a professional mm-hmm. athlete to go through and having to go through those the stress, especially playing in your own hometown. But as well as you, you know, a guy that's really out there. This is this is something why it, it stood out to me is because um, you being so public the way you are, not only just being doing podcasts and and radio shows uh, and your your Twitter Twitter videos. Um, you know, having sometimes people have a hard time distinguishing between reality and oh, shook, you know, shook me must be okay, Luigi must be okay, or whoever is okay because they're you know they're out there, but they don't see the work that goes behind that or the struggles that goes behind that, right? So that's that's what I I think people have have a little bit of difficulty uh, dealing with. So that's why I really appreciated it. Um, I, yeah, you know, absolutely. It, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, I, no, absolutely. I think, um, I mean, like there are days where I'm like, look, um, I, 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 I want to lash out, but I, but I choose like self, self-restraint because, because one, um, it has nothing to do with image at all. It has mm-hmm. everything to do with understanding that there are quite a few people, um, who, do follow the content that I post and as well as, you know, like listen to what I have to say. And I, and I realized that with the platform that I've been blessed with comes an enormous amount of responsibility and it isn't about maintaining an image or anything like that. But, um, but also I feel, I feel that the number one thing with social media, the way that I feel is that you and I understand that there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes that people don't know about. And it's, and it's like, I feel with social media, it's like, it's more like they see a clip and it's like, Oh wow. Anybody can do that. I'm in and so forth. Or, or even like with radio, like with what I do, like people think, Oh, anybody can do that. It's like, Oh, okay. So (laughs) like there's, there's an actual, there's an actual art. There's a grind to it. There's all of those things that, that goes into it. And, and you, especially if you're trying to um, to become a successful uh, broadcaster, does does you gotta really be willing to put in work and, and grind and get up and and go after it? So yeah. I feel like social media is like a tell two stories. Social media is a window as into like what people see, um, yeah. and and then what you what your actual life is like is what people don't see out, out like on social media because you don't share that. So there's a difference. I- Absolutely. It's it's like a glass house, right? You could see, you know, you know we'll see inside our house, mm-hmm. but you don't see what the struggles and the language and the conversations and the struggles that are going inside that house. So it's the same way here. And I could totally appreciate it. And that's, that's a great leeway because I was so, see why I got the, the, um, the idea of asking you on is because I, I just, I don't know how I started following you on Twitter and <laughs> uh, absolutely loved, yeah. I loved your content. Thank uh, you. Obviously maybe, who know what the algorithms right being a Bruins fan it, it, it came it you know you popped up on my feed so I immediately started following you um how did you how did you I'd love to know how did you get your start in in um you mentioned the grind and in radio were you did you study that how was how, how did this all come about uh, I'm glad you asked because um like I give my dad um a great deal of uh, credit like it was him that really planted the seed when I was very young, when I was seven, eight years old, um, waking up every morning, growing up in New York, um, listening to the news radio and listen to like 
broadcasters and um and, and, and that, that that drew me in i was like oh this is so cool like and, and like you could i could sit down and enjoy breakfast out of a glass bowl with oatmeal what my father used to make with cinnamon, put the little cinnamon sticks inside and and i and i listen to the radio and, and i hear good morning it's 803 a.m on this tuesday december 14th i'm lee harris and this is what's happening like just hearing that it was like that's so cool oh my god <laughs> Um, and I mean, in, in, in New York, it's, there's no bigger, um, there's no bigger like media market in the world. And, and the one thing that I will say is that, um, is that once I began to listen to the news almost every day, like basically, especially during the weekday, like I, I knew that this is what I wanted to do from basically when I was seven, eight years old. But when I first got introduced to sports talk radio, a few years down the line, like especially in my early teen years, it was like, okay, um, you could talk sports on radio. How <laughs> awesome is that? And I started listening to like um like to sports talk radio, listen to like play by play game, like sporting events on radio, hockey, baseball, football. Um, and this was something that it begun to grow on me even more. And and the thing that um that I ended up um making a decision like during like during my high school years was okay this is what i want to do like how like how am i going to go about it well i gotta go to college and i went to college for journalism and and i you know part of my extracurricular activities was i i joined the radio station and i co-hosted um for about maybe three years uh while, while i was while i was an undergrad and i remember you know just having fun with it i knew nothing about the ins and the outs of radio and all of that fun stuff. And I just, I just went with it. I just, just said, I just said, Hey, you know, I'm just going to have fun. And, um, and then after that, after like, like college ended, um, I remember, um, I remember like going to, um, like to, to my computer in the library. And I said, I'm just going to go check out whatever, um, like whatever, Internships that were there in New York City, mm -hmm. ESPN New York ninety eight point seven FM came up, and I was like, "All right, what whatever happens happens." Like, you know, screw it. I applied, didn't expect to hear from them, and I got a phone call um, about two months later. Two months later, I get a call on a Friday afternoon. I'm like somewhere down in Coney Island, and and I I said someone from Florida. I'm like, I don't know who this is. I don't have this number saved in my phone, so I'm not gonna answer mm -hmm. it. Whatever. And I got a notification. Well, you got a voicemail. I'm like, this, I swear to God, this better not be a damn spam. <laughs> it's spam. But I listened to it. It's like, hi, this is so-and-so from Walt Disney. You had applied for an internship position with ESPN New York. I was like, oh, oh okay. Um, should have answered that phone. <laughs> I should I Yeah, I called back immediately. Thankfully, they answered. Um, and... And that was just the beginning of what turned out to be a, about a month like odyssey um into like interviewing for the internship and there was quite a few people who who also wanted to do the internship as well and but for me it was like the passion that I have um for like radio and it was something that I knew that I wanted I wanted it badly and I made sure that it translated through on, in, through that interview and I'll never forget the day that I um, that I was offered that internship, and I was so happy and just wow. thrilled. And 
know, interning at one of the two sports talk radio stations in New York. The other one is WFAN, the legendary WFAN, the first sports radio station in the world in that last began in 1987. Wow. Um, and the other one being ESPN New York. And I was just like so happy. So I said, you know what? This is what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna give it my all. And I just I just went in whenever they asked me to come in. I'm like, I'm 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 available. Talk to me. What's up? Like you mean the <laughs> afternoon? I'll work till midnight. Don't don't even worry about it. And that was just that was just the, the work ethic that I had because I absolutely loved every single day that I went into that to, to that internship. And I'm just I was just like so grateful. And and then when that ended in December of 2015, um, I knew that I wanted to get on the air. But the question was how? Mm-hmm. Like, how am I going to get on the air? Like, how am I going to get to that point? Because at that point, I had no professional or like professional on air experience. I hadn't even like done radio outside of college. Mm-hmm. So it was also the same time that I knew that I always wanted to, um, like, that I wanted to like move to Boston. Let me correct. Let me correct that real quick. I didn't always know that I wanted to move to Boston. Okay. It just so happened that life created a crazy situation where it just opened my eyes to the city of Boston. And and I got to know like the city and as well as the people and the fans and all and everything. And I slowly began to like fall in love with Boston. And then summer of 2015, I fell in love with Boston. And that's how that's how it begun. And by the time I got to December of 2015, I knew that this is where I want to. This is where I want to live. This is where I want to be. This is where I want to, you know, start my radio career. I make it in the city. And I remember, um, I remember, like in January, February 2016, you know, like beginning the process mm-hmm. of trying to move to, to Boston, and it was hard when you're a single guy and you don't ha- you don't know anyone that could you know like lend a hand like especially living like in boston it's, it's such hard. a huge city it's a it's huge a, city yeah it's um it, it, it's hard and it's one of those things where i had to i had to like learn um thanks to like a couple of people who um who, who are, are good friends of mine um and like some really good advice i was given along the way and i remember um like you know falling down getting back up when I say fall down, meaning that I thought I had it all figured out in June of that year, but oh no, <laughs> no, it, <laughs> I failed miserably. I mean, I failed, and I was so angry that I, I mean, I remember that summer, I was not happy. I was not a happy camper at all. And I remember, um, Oof. I remember that summer I was just in a bad space mentally and emotionally because I because I, I felt like I should be living in Boston right now. And I remember um, that August, that August, I, um, I I said to myself one day after I had just finished, um, I just finished praying and I just said, you know what, I'm going to go grab a book. Literally went, go get a good old spiral notebook. And opened it up, and I said, "Write down what do you want? Hmm. What do you want to accomplish in the next six months?" And one thing that that stood out to me was, I really forced myself to sit there and just, um, 
and and just really just think and i mean dig deep like i wasn't sitting there just bsing um or anything like that like no i sat down and really said okay what do i want to accomplish for myself in the next six months i want to move to boston okay cool Mm -hmm. when do you want to move to boston okay um january 2017 if that doesn't happen what's your plan b what's your plan Mm -hmm. c what's your plan d Basically going down the, the, the going down like the, the alphabet uh, letter um, and so forth, and that was, mm-hmm. and I ended up picking for Plan B. It was gonna be February 2017, Plan C, Springs 2017, Plan E, and so forth. Like I just kept going down, but I was determined I was gonna um, make the move here. So that entire fall of 2016, um, I decided that I was gonna work, and I mean work. Like I was living in Philadelphia at the time and I would commute from Philadelphia to um, like to to New York to, to work. Now, for those that don't wow. understand how quite, far that's a... commu- that is, that's a very difficult commute. And I would and I wouldn't even do that now. Um, <laughs> I, that, that one way was like a three and a half hour commute on 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 like the regional transit systems. Um, and I was like, yeah, I don't know. How the hell am I doing this? Um, but I just did it. I, I just did it because <laughs> I had a goal. I had a, a, a dream of mine. And I said, I'm going to get up and make it happen. And I get up. I at first started getting up at 3 o'clock in the morning, like on weekdays, just to go to work in New York City. And then short time after, I pick up a weekend job working as a valet. Um my my weekend shifts were from nine in the morning to nine o'clock at night, twelve hours, Saturday and Sunday. And when I tell you, wow. it's not for the faint of heart. It's not for the faint of heart. I'm talking about now. Now, mind you, I'm already working Monday through Friday, commuting from Philly to New York and back, and then now working weekends, twelve hour shifts. So I'm working. I'm working what seven days a week, no days off, zero. Now. I get to November and I'm burnt out. I'm like, I can't do this. Of course, you can't. And you can't. You can't continue that on for like, at I, that I pace. Can't continue this, and yeah, and and then someone really gave me some great like encouragement. It was like, you know what? Listen, you, you got to remember why you're doing this. You have a goal for yourself, and that talk I remember on a Sunday night just reignited that fire. So I just kept doing it. Like it was like it was like finding that second wind like, again, and it helped and continue to do it and i got um i got wind of an opportunity with wgbh and then and then like after that i applied because i at that point i didn't know what to expect this was december 2016 i'm like i want to move to boston i should not be still keep making this commute i still should not be um doing this part of me bless you <laughs> thank you thank you um oh <laughs> It's I'm 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 a big sneezer too. I can never sneeze more than two or th- <laughs> less than two or three times in a row. So, uh, pardon me, pardon me. <laughs> it's, right. it's, it's, it's just like I'm not I'm not sick at all. Um, <laughs> but in continue but in continuation of the story. So, by the time I got to December of 2016, I remember I applied for the job at um, WGBH. It was I was it was the canvasser position, meaning I would be going on knocking on doors, um, and like you know trying to raise money for the station. So I applied. They call me and they said, "Hey, we want to interview you." Blah blah blah, and I was like, "Okay, awesome." So, um, so like, when can you do the interview? I could do it the week of, like, the week of Christmas of sixteen. Mm-hmm. That was like the final week of December. 
I remember making the making a trip up here during vacation um, and and just trying to just talk. I talk my way into like getting this job because I'm like, no, I want this job. It's a full time job. I'm going to want to take it. Boom. And I got hired on the spot. And that's how I, that's how I ended up moving uh, to Boston. But I didn't um, I didn't start in radio right away. I, mm-hmm. I, I worked odd in jobs just to make ends meet. And that's the thing that the part of where people don't really um, like see they just think that oh he he just he was just, he just got a lucky break and it was like no yeah. like that was not the case at all like when i first moved here my first job was working as a canvasser for wgbh and i absolutely hated it i hated it but i did what i had to do That's just it. to survive and i did that for a month and a half then after that i just quit i i, I honestly i honestly quit not proud of it but I had to I had to protect my sanity at this point. Now, after that, I had, you know, taken a job working as um, a guest, a, a guest representative at a hotel in Boston. Again, just trying to make ends meet. Yeah. And and this was like for a few months. And then July of 2017, I left and then I didn't have a full time job for six and a half months. So now I'm really, and I mean, really, really struggling. Like I, like I, (laughs) the money I had saved up to move to Boston, it's now dried up. I'm struggling. I'm struggling literally just to survive. And I remember, um, like just, just those days and it was, it was brutal. It was absolutely brutal to just even um like wake up in the morning and and feel like you had nothing to like do look forward to you just went to the library and just apply for jobs any like you know whatever job you can find in like in radio and so forth and and it it was it was just god it was tough i just just thinking about it i'm like yeah i'm amazed that i even made it through that and i thought that was the worst (laughs) hold my beer so July, sorry, January of 2018, I got hired um, to work um, with IST management. And I remember, and for those that are just tuning in or watching live, I'm telling you literally my entire story yeah. for a reason. Like, I'm not trying to bore any of you, but this is this is the side of me where people don't even know, like, my, my full story for, for those who, who don't know me personally. And like, so I'm ge- I'm giving it to you in full detail as a source of inspiration. Like, hey, like this, like this, this for me has not been easy at all. Like, right, any stretch of the imagination. But in continuation, um, January 2018. So I started working at IST, and that lasted only two and a half months, and I was pissed. Like, because I I I had gotten fired, um, and I remember at that point. Now I go through another six months of not having a full-time job i am in the worst place the worst place i could be mentally and emotionally on all levels yeah on on all levels oh god because remember i had just went through that for six and a half months have a full-time job for two and a half months and then have to go through this again at at that point i'm like like what like what what the hell like i'm angry i am pissed i'm like in a bad place mentally and emotionally. And, um, and I remember 
in October of 2018, I was like, I'm just going to apply. I kept applying throughout for full-time jobs. And I was like, listen, let's go. Like, I, I need something at this point. And, and then I, I, I applied to the work at, um, the work at the Brigham. And for those who live in Boston or greater Boston, no one know exactly what I'm talking about. The mm -hmm. Brigham um, woman's hospital. And I got the job there. And that that lasted for a few months, and then I left there very, um, very tempor temporarily, came back in a different role, um, and I just remember by that point, this was like April of 2019, and at this point, I'm pissed. Like I'm like, okay, hmm. something the world, has yeah. absolutely got to give. Like, why am I not doing what I want to do, what I love to do? And the but person who and during someone, this time, sir, yeah. during this time, were you were you were you applying to to see if there's anything available at radio stations? I know that they weren't growing on trees or or oh anything. gosh, oh yeah, yeah, left, right, and center. You, I'm sure, right? You, you know what, um, Luigi? Did I, did I say your name correctly? Yeah, that's perfect. Like uh, uh, Luigi, you know what's funny? I did in July of 2018. You know, and you know, this 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 particular um story. Is crazy in its own right. And I, I'm putting it out there because it's crazy how life works sometimes. <laughs> That's for sure. I applied for a full-time job to be a co-host of the Adam Jones show on, on 985, the sports hub. Man, I was naive. I was <laughs> like, oh, I'm gonna just apply. I should get in, yeah. you know, blah blah blah. And when I didn't get the job, I was pissed. Like I was angry and i was just really like just not in again this is part of like at the time i was really in a really bad place mentally emotionally but here but here's the crazy twist though the person who got the job i hadn't even met yet the person who got the job was christian arcan and he's actually become one of my one of my best friends in radio <laughs> oh he works for 985 the sports Hub. i'm serious yep. I didn't I I didn't know him at all at that time but it's crazy because we we ended up becoming really good friends um last year during the pandemic at the height of the pandemic and whatnot and like when I brought him onto my podcast and that's how our relationship grew in fact we hung out together at the Sox game on Sunday <laughs> um that's like crazy. like it was it was just it was just hilarious but the point being is like you just never know how life just tends to come full circle and especially when you least expect it. Yeah. yeah. So, so like going back to April of 19, I'm pissed off. And my, uh, the person who I was dating with at the, I'm dating at the time, she gave me an advice that she was like, you know, you need to like reach out to people who are working in the industry, blah, blah, blah. Like, but the, the conversation wasn't necessarily the most pleasant, but it was advice that I needed to hear. I was like, okay. Yeah. So I took it. And the person who I reached out to, one of the people who I reached out to was uh, Bob Sosi, the play-by-play -play voice of the New England Patriots on the Sports Hub. He could not be more nice. He could wow. not, have not have been more nicer to me. Like, he took the time out to, like, have a full-blown phone conversation, 45 minutes. We talked. We talked about everything. And, and that was a start. But even then, I had, not, I had no legs to stand on. I had no radio show. I had no... I had nothing to like say, hey, this is what I've been doing. And 
weeks, man. I, when I tell you, I was ready to throw in the towel. I was ready to throw in the towel. I was like, screw this. Well, rightfully so. I mean, I, I think a lot of people, a hundred, probably ninety nine percent of the people would have thrown in the white towel long before that. Yeah, but I'm, when I tell you, um, in May of nineteen, this was during the Bruins' run to the Stanley Cup Finals. One day, I'm like highly annoyed. I'm like, this is this is not working here in Boston. Why the hell should I stay? Like, why should I, like, why should I even like continue to like live here? Like, I've given everything that I possibly can. And Mr. Sosi actually, um. He actually gave me some. He gave me even more, another piece of advice that changed everything. Really, he was like, you know, look into college radio stations, look into community radio stations. Mm. Like the point is, is that especially for anyone who's out there looking to get into radio, that's where you get your start. Go to community radio stations, find out if they're accepting community DJs or radio hosts, and work on your craft, perfect your craft. You know, get comfortable. Like be. Like you learn about yourself during that process, mm -hmm. and it's true. And I took his advice, found out through a good friend of mine, who who also has his own radio station at WMFO ninety one point five FM, and I said I'm going to submit my stuff, and they they said hey we we have um openings for the summer, come in we'll, we'll train you, and then if if you pass the training you'll be you'll be granted your own radio show. And when I tell you, I, I made sure I passed that training because I was not taking no for an answer. It was the one of the best feelings that I've had in my career, like being told, like, hey, you have your own radio show. Congratulations. Wow. And and that you like, what is your show going to be about? It's going to be about sports, about what I love. Sure. And I remember my very first radio show was July 6, 2019. And I am when I tell you I am raw. I am like <laughs> you must have been. I I, I am like I'm like yelling like, and you know the Red Sox they sh they should not be bunting with runners as tech. I'm like screaming on top of my voice. I'm like I went back last year to listen to those to listen to, to listen to those like th those early radio shows, and I'm like, oh my god, I sound like that. Yeah, <laughs> I could see. Yeah, uh, no. You know what, Shukri? Um, I, I go back and I listen to my first podcast because this is my second podcast, but my first podcast, I'm like, God, oh God, it was so awful. Wow. <laughs> wow. I'm telling you, it's yeah. it's it's crazy. Well, and it's like like from then I started working on like, you know, trying to get better and better mm -hmm. and better. And I kept working at it. And once the fall came around of 2019, I said, you know, like I really want to do this full time as a as a job. And and then um, I remember making that decision in December of 2019 that I'm going to pursue this full time. This is going to be my full time. This is going to be uh, my career. And what's interesting is that um, at that time, nobody knew what was about to unfold. In December of 2019, no one knew what was about to unfold. Yeah. So now January, I'm grinding, doing my radio show. You know, doing as many shows as I possibly can. Um, February, same thing. And now we're starting yeah. to hear about COVID. And it was like, what is that? Like at that point, like nobody was worried. It was like, okay, like this, this is like this is like SARS or like MRSA. Like, oh, like, there's no big deal. Like, yeah, we'll a couple of months will be fine. Yeah. Like, like, no, no one was thinking pandemic. No, nobody, nobody was thinking pandemic at all. 
March comes around. Now I mentioned this. I'm going to mention this part because Monday I just returned back in studio to do my first radio show in studio live. I saw that since yeah. March 13th of last year. Yeah. Now March rolls around, and by right. this point, it's now become a thing. And Woody Gobert, he tests positive for COVID. And I'm in the NBA and sports began a shutdown from that night into the next day. They started the yep. process of shutting everything down sports wise. I remember. And I'm thinking, wow, this is going to be different. No sports. Huh. This is definitely going to be different. The afternoon of March 12th, I get an email from the program director saying that, hey, um, so because of the situation with COVID, um, we're going to be shutting down operations beginning. Friday, March 13th at 11.59 p.m. Eastern. I was like, so you mean to tell me I'm not going to have a radio show? They're like, you're not going to be able to do your radio show in studio. There's like, we're shutting down. Like, we have to shut down for the safety of everyone. Another hurdle. Yeah. So now I'm like, I'm emotional. Like, I'm thinking to myself, okay, I don't know what I'm going to do. How am I going to get, like my um my reps but i remember vividly doing my final show on march 13th 2020 it was a friday night i'll never forget it was from 7 p.m to 8 p.m i had two callers both of them stayed on the air with me and two of them happened to be a really good friend of mine um and i remember just going through the hour and that, and that towards the end of it i was saying i have no idea what's going to happen next but i'm asking all of you to please stay safe because we because at that point I, I feel like at that time we were at least for us here. I don't know about how what the situation was in Montreal or um, or even in Canada, but for us here we were beginning to really grasp in the magnitude of what was happening, and and then after that it was slowly but surely things begun to like shut down, and the governor here banned gatherings of of more than two hundred and fifty people, and I just remember like. Uh oh, yeah, this is different. And at this point, it's like, wow, no radio show can gather in with crowds of more than 250 people, no Bruins, no Celtics, no sports. All of that's gone, like shut down indefinitely. Terrible. And who, when I tell you the first few weeks were, I honestly think it was a, it was like, Almost, almost like a blur. If you, if you understand what I'm saying, because yeah. I think we, you go ahead. Yeah, no, I, I think you echo that. Uh, everybody, a lot of people felt that same sentiment. You know, sports are only our only escape being taken away from us. Mm -hmm. um, you know, for me, I'm a huge Bruins fan. I'm a big hockey fan, and that's pretty much the only sport Thanks. that I really follow. Mm -hmm. I'm like, what the hell am I going to do without the Bruins? Like, it, it, it's it's almost it's it's our life. It's it's my life. You know, yeah. I watch it with my boys, with my kids, and and talk about it with my Bruin buddy friends. We've we've created communities about it. Uh, imagine if Bruin fans uh, get-togethers in, in Montreal. Uh, wow. Our, our yeah yeah. Our life focuses. I mean, we go watch games together. We have chats together on on WhatsApp and it constantly. I mean, you know, uh, so so like. This is affecting our life. But so much of what you have said to me on so many levels, Shukri, I could relate to because, you know, the, the, it's, it seems like it's a common theme. Anybody that's in radio, because mm -hmm. I've had a few guests that I were in radio 
And that seems that that grind, not having to give up, almost getting to the point saying, what the hell am I doing? This is not for me, but almost sticking in there and then to make it, it seems like it's a common thread of, 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 of a common feel that I have with all the people that I know. And another thing that you said, which, which I love is that, um, someone that's been on my the that's been on my show he, he's a, a Montreal uh, radio legend uh t- talk show uh, radio legend in sports and in talk show as well name is Ted Bird and mm. we sort of have you know developed a friendship and he tells me what what surprised me what you said before is that in our days he said we would call people that were in the radio and they would be so open to share their their advice and everything. He goes, nowadays you can't get that. So I'm so glad that yeah. you were able to get that from that gentleman that yeah. you mentioned. Um, because I, you know, I reach out to Ted and I ask him, I ask him about podcasting or just in general, you know, because radio and podcasting does not, I'm sure there's a difference. Yes. Yeah, there is. For sure. For sure. But you know, but for me, it's, it's not, it's not life and death, right? I do this as a hobby because I love it. I have my regular job. Um, but for you, I mean, that's, a whole nother level yeah a whole nother level oh absolutely um, yeah so um it's it, that's that's quite a story i think the moral of the story here is guys don't give up don't there, give there's up. more <laughs> it, oh, I'm, I'm i'm you know i'm sure there is i'm sure there yeah. is and, and that it, it didn't happen overnight the things you know yeah. you you put down on paper what you wanted and what you wanted out of life and where you wanted to be in certain dates so I think that that brings, I wasn't expecting this, honestly, brings out such another level of, of, of this show. It's not just about sports. It's not just about podcasting. It's not just about radio. Mm-hmm. It's about not giving up on your dreams. And I absolutely love that. I thank you so much for sharing that. And I, I, I can't even imagine what goes behind, you know, behind that day that you become, you become successful and you become, or, or you have your own show and a mic is in front of you. But no one sees everything all behind it, all the heartache that you just mentioned. I'm and I'm I first and foremost, uh Messi be cool again, like because I I can't um express express like how much that means. And um like I have had I've had I have people in my life who really um have been instrumental in, in every way. Um and for like for me, it's my my mom and my dad. Um, like my dad was the one who planted the seeds of my, my love for radio. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom, who has seen me go through hell and back the last uh, four years, and um, and like and my my late uncle Reese, who who passed away this past March, um, mm-hmm. unexpectedly. Sorry to hear um, that. Like no, thank you. Um, who who was truly everything to me in every sense. Um, and he was truly just a, such a such a big supporter of, of me personally and like the relationship I had with him he wasn't simply an uncle he really was like everything when I tell you when I tell people that um like and, I, and I'm still very much in the grieving process and then it's not something that I've that I've hidden at all mm-hmm. um where I think about our conversations and in his and his teachings and his influences and everything that he's taught me and instilled in me, um, is some it's something that I still I'm gonna carry with me till the day I die. Um Absolutely. it's even like whether it's through radio or even life. Mm-hmm. Um and, and as far as like radio is concerned, um like going through like that pandemic and then like my, my late uncle Reese, like at the time 
he came down with COVID and I was scared to death because like, because as we all know, at that time in April 2020, there was no vaccine. This thing was still brand new. This was like literally taking taking out lives left and right. And I remember like when he uh, he survived, but like but but he was very he was in grave condition at one point. I vividly remember. And and I was like, I can't I cannot even begin to um I can't even begin to like tell someone like yo I know how tough you have to be to survive stage three cancer and now survive being on the doorsteps of death through the COVID. Like <laughs> like you have to be one tough the one tough son of a gun. Yeah. Like honestly and his his teaching like the way that he would instill in me was was that like you you gotta you gotta be willing to work. You gotta be you got to be willing to, you know, put in that time. And during the pandemic, it was tough because I would, I, the only thing that I kept me going was podcasts. I you know. And I had some, some like real, not notable, notable uh, guests on my podcast. Um, mm-hmm. I, I spoke with Hall, hockey hall of famer, Grant Fuhrer. Um, yeah. I spoke with um, Brian Anderson, the the voice of the, the voice of the Milwaukee Brewers and as well as, um, he does NBA on TNT and and baseball for TBS. Um, I, I've had a lot of like notable guests that helped me keep going. And then in May of last year, we were able to return to do like remote, uh, where we pre-record shows. And when I tell you that in itself was the most difficult um, thing in radio that I've ever done was doing remote broadcast because re- like when you're doing remote and you're pre-recording shows. It's like you're recording shows and you are like have to go, you have to like go back and like edit the audio and make sure that everything is. um, Oh boy. Like it's, it is a mental grind. Like an hour show would sometimes take an hour, an hour and a half, two hours. Like that's including the editing and everything and going back and, you know, starting over, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, it's like okay, um, how do I keep going? And there were times where I was like, "This is tiring, man. This is absolutely freaking tiring." Yeah. Like, how do I continue to do this? And I remember, like, I, there were times where I was like, "I know, I need, I needed to step away." And then June of last year came around, and then this was around the same time as George Floyd took place. Um, unfortunately, which led to the social unrest. And mm-hmm. um, and the thing that I remember most was that I remember I like I, I made it a point that I wanted to use my radio show to talk about how this directly impacted sports at that time. And um, and I remember like if, like a few weeks later, I'm about to I'm, I get on the train, I get on the local subway here um, in Boston. And I remember just sitting in a chair and then suddenly out of nowhere. I felt like the world was literally like caving in and I was about to die. And I didn't know what was going on, but I remember being so scared that I was about to run to the front of the train and tell the conductor, I don't know what's going on, but I'm scared to death and I have no idea what's happening. And I took myself to the hospital. I was just, just scared. It's terrified. I, I'm having a hard time breathing. It feels as if that, um, like my chest was just tight, and and I re- and then like doctors ran tests, everything, you name it. They were they were like, you don't have any health issues. Like 
you're not diabetic, you're you don't have heart disease, you you have a healthy heart. Um, it sounds like you you sounds like you may have had an anxiety attack, and yeah. that was the and that really that really was the defining moment for me right there. Wow. And that was the first time in my life I haven't had an anxiety attack. And it really was the most frightening thing ever because I didn't know what to do. I guess the stress of everything that was happening and um and like my uncle at the time, um my like uncle Risa, he was such he was so huge along with my mom, but especially him cuz like he really would like send me letters um just of like giving me advice and even phone calls. He would call me and he would, you know, give me pieces of advice as to, you know, how to like deal with anxiety, you know, practicing like guided meditations and so forth. So when I did that video in relation to Jonathan on Drew I really do understand. Yeah. Like it is not an easy thing to deal with. And, and, um, and as a result, I, ha- I took a, I took a break from radio and I kept working. I kept working and, um, and I, I still, it wasn't the end of my battles with anxiety. It was just the beginning because I had sure. another anxiety attack um, sometime in mid-July of last year. And then I had one in early August, and that one was the one that really broke me where I was just, like, at that point, I hadn't seen my family in almost almost uh, almost 10 months. And this was because at that at that point, remember, like, we like here in the United States, like traveling really wasn't really like a thing. Yeah. Like, like for the people were not comfortable with that just yet. And I wasn't, and it was tough. And I remember um, like continuing to still do radio shows. And I, and I contacted some folks at WBRS and said, Hey, you know, I miss doing live radio shows. Is there, is, are you guys doing shows live remotely? Mm-hmm. And they were like, yes, we're doing shows via zoom that we broadcast on the airwaves and so forth. So I joined and I was so happy. I said, I, I can do shows live. I can, you know, continue to focus on getting better from home. So absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's really, that's really how like it really came to be. And I remember a few months later, this was January of, yeah, January of this year. Um, we like, what, I'm sorry, I can't even say we, but I <laughs> found out about, um, about an opportunity to become like a national national radio host with Radio Pacifica, and like and Radio Pacifica has has affiliates in Montreal. Um, yeah, I've heard and, of them. And, yes, and, 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 yeah, and yeah. um, and I I remember I said you know I'm just gonna submit like submit my my audio work my, my stuff that I've done on radio to the to the um, decision makers and they approved me and that was that was a moment that I remember most because my uncle was very emotional. When I shared with him the news, um, and we both like shared mom- like shared a moment where like it was it's it's it, it it stayed with me. This was two months before he passed, and um, and I I just remember like just how happy he was like for me. And when I tell you that he was really my like you when you have people in your life that support you and pour into your dreams, it's everything. You everything. cannot underestimate how important that is appreciate those people especially the, the people that are your family and and um when i when i tell you like it it helped it helped and um when then when he when he passed away suddenly in in march um i 
I honestly just did not have like the wind to do like right radio because it because mm-hmm. it really still is a devastating loss. Um, and and like I took time away to just really try to get myself back, you know, going to therapy and like dealing mm-hmm. with a massive loss like that. And um, and it helped. Like it helped. I'm I I still deal with grief, and I and I tell and I tell people like grief is not something you just get over when you lose someone of massive importance whether if it's yeah. a loved one or a close one to you like it changes you like, absolutely it, it changes your 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 perspective on life and and not forget about career like this is life we're talking about and i think it's i think it's so important that when you're going through those um through those moments and through those times that you just remember like remember like where you are and how and how you've gotten here and that even this will in fact pass it's it's tough but you just got to find a reason to wake up every day and continue to fight and you're just like nah i'd rather i and my mentality is i'd rather die trying yeah like that that's me i I could totally um echo your your comments of of remembering the people you know you could always uh, honor your 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 uncle's memory by saying he's the one that pushed you that believed you to get there and and what I loved what you said as well is to appreciate the people that support you in your life, and no matter what you do, but most importantly, the people that support you in your victories and your dreams, not just when you fail, but that they're there when you fail, but they're there that when they support you and say, congratulations, good job, Shukri, good job, Luigi, you yeah. did it. You know, I look at my 12-year-old son and my 8-year-old son, and they ask me, Daddy, how many YouTube followers do you have? Daddy, how many uh, did your did your downloads go up in your podcast? And this is a 12 and 8-year-old, you know, and supporting your father. It isn't, yeah. you know, when you look at it, and, you know, it goes back to the, the saying that if only the world could see life through the eyes of a, a child, right? Mm-hmm. But these people have to absolutely be cherished, like your, your late uncle, your parents, my wife, my kids that support me in my dreams and 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 yeah. and everything. So, great messages all across the board. I absolutely, I absolutely love it. I really do. Um, Thank you. It's a great story, really is, Shukri. And I appreciate your honesty too. So, um, absolutely. Want to talk about it? Want to talk about a, a little bit of Bruins? Yeah, sure, absolutely. Do, all I'm, right, I'm, def- I'm definitely down for sure. Let's do it. All right. So, there's a few things I wanted to, because, like I said, I'm sure we have some some listeners and people watching and wanted to to know our take on uh, seeing that preseason has begun. Yeah, uh, our Bruins went through some changes this off season, a few surprises as well. Um, so, first thing I wanted to to get your your uh, take on is the goaltending situation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we know that Swayman uh, finished, had a fantastic year with us. Um, Rask obviously being on the long term um, and and the surprise signing uh, of Allmark uh, to a five-year contract, a very lucrative contract. Yeah. Where do you think, where do you see this going? How do you see this happening? Um, part of it is I definitely think that um, that the Linus Allmark signing tells me that he's going to be the, the goaltender moving forward. But there's the big elephant in the room, and the big elephant in the room is Tuka Rask, and and that he's made it very clear that he wants to come back, and that he does fully plan and intend to come back. And the thing that I think about most when we talk about um, we we talk about the Bruins is I I believe that this is going to be a really interesting year all the way through and through. One of the reasons why is because we're watching the ongoing battle right now between Jackson Dinka and Charlie Coyle 
for the second uh, for the second line centerman position. But I think right now it's Jackson Nika through the first two preseason games has played well enough to 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 win a job. I'm not saying that the battle is over by any stretch of the imagination. Very strong. But but I really like how he's looked so far. And I don't know if you were able to catch the uh, the Bruins and Rangers on preseason game last night. But yes. that goal that he scored on, on a beautiful pass from Fabian Lysel, oh, yep. my God. That, that was just sick. On like, his off. I mean, he was like, not well positioned, right? He was on his yeah. offhand. So, yeah, yeah, it was offhand. Yeah, yeah. it was offhand shot. And it was just it was just like, whoa, okay, um, hello. And um, – but it's really going to be fascinating to see how that unfolds, especially as we um, we still we're still a good two and a half weeks away from the start of the regular season. So by, by so by no stretch of the imagination are we are we like out of the out of the woods in terms of like preseason and training camp just yet. Mm-hmm. But what I will also say is, um, in terms of the Bruins right now, in terms of where they are. I think they find themselves at an interesting crossroads because Krejci is gone. He gone. He went back home to the Czech Republic, and the only guys that are left from that from that core group that won the cup in 2011 is Patrice Bergeron and Brad Marsh, and that's it. Yep. And and I, I just definitely think that we're at a point now where it's like it's either now or never in terms of trying to get this get those guys at least one more cup. And and I think that if things go right this year, they should be a playoff contender. I think they will be a playoff contender, but they definitely have question marks in that. With Linus Omar, how effective can he be? And as well as, um, as well as Jeremy Swayman, well, like because those two are probably going to be the tandem moving forward. And also, not to not to forget, um, how will. Nick Felino, as well as Tomas Nulshek and Eric Haller, Derek Forbord. How will those guys like you know like blend into the team? Blend like in, how yeah. yeah, so so those are just some of the headlines I think is gonna make this a really interesting uh first month and a half of the regular season coming up. Well, what I want to you know, if let's say Studnika continues this play, okay, and mm-hmm. I know that Coyle is not he's not healthy hundred percent, but let's say if he is, would you go Studnika two? Or three, or would you go coil two and Stanika three in terms of centerman? Stanika two and and coil three because coil is better fitted on that third line. We saw that in 2019 when he was acquired from Minnesota. Yeah, uh, when the Bruins made their run to the finals, when he was paired up um, to play alongside um, uh, Marcus Johansson on, on that on that third line. And you and you saw how effective he was, and I, I definitely think and believe that um, that he's he's better suited to play on that third line. And in terms of um, Saninka, I think he's ready to play that sec that that second line. But because after all, he's not going in playing against playing with scrubs on either wing. You talking about Taylor Hall and Craig Smith? Those those are two like snipers. And I think yeah. they're they're both going to put put up big numbers, especially as the um, as we get closer to the regular season. Um, and given Taylor Hall's track record, and he's he's happy in Boston, especially having signed that new contract, I think he's going to have a monster year. And if Studnicka is playing on that on on that line on that in that centerman position, the sky's the limit. And don't forget Craig Smith; he, he's a perennial twenty goal scorer. Yeah. So so you got your your top six um four group. Like figured out. I'm just more concerned about the bottom six and what that's going to look like. 
Yeah, well, with with the addition of uh, of uh, Hala and Nozick that you said, I think they did some work because that was our downfall, I believe. The, yes, the, it was the lack of productivity in the bottom six. But before we go to the bottom six, I, I don't want to be a Debbie Downer, Shukri, but do you think Stadnika or Coil, whatever it is, could bring out the most out of a Hall and Smith like a David Krejci? Because these are completely different. Krejci has the capability of slowing down the game. Passes he could pass through a needle. Um, I mean, I, I can't overstate this loss. For me, it was devastating. I'll be honest with you. The Krejci yeah. decision. I understand it. I understand his decision. By no means am I am I shooting him down. On the contrary, he will always be a Bruin for me and a mm. Bruins legend for that matter. But I think this is gonna hurt. You know, we we left him so many years with no wingers. Now we got mm -hmm. him some wingers. And he decides to leave. Just oh like, yeah! Oh man! Oh, yeah. I I don't know. That's 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 my concern. I'll be honest with you. My concern is, <laughs> it is my concern is whether or not, whatever, whether it be Coil or Stanika, do they have enough to bring out the most out of Taylor Hall, especially? I think he does. Um, yeah. I, I really do. Like I think when I look at Jack Stanika, I look at a guy who, who who has the ability to drive to the net. And that, and that he also like help like elevate those two in, in terms of Craig Smith and and um and, and Taylor Hall. And the way that I see it is that he also brings a like a, a level of energy like to that line. And I think that that can over the course of eighty two games play a big difference. And and one thing that that does um, stand out to me about Sadnika is the physical aspect. Yeah. Like you haven't you haven't seen that like from the from the top six guys with the exception of Marshan over the last three four years like True. you need that physicality in your top six element and Stadnika brings that and I and I get that Coil has that element too but you don't see that yes he's yes he's six three two hundred twenty pounds but playing a heavy game is not necessarily I in his in his fourth and I guess in his um. And I guess in his in his toolbox and whatnot, but but I do think that Sinica would be a better fit on that second line. Okay. My my other question mark is, and and uh, he he looked like a uh, like a runaway train. He was absolutely on fire uh, the first game. Is DeBrusk? Um, mm. I know DeBrusk is a huge question mark. Uh, he's got to get back after that. A just really horrible horrible year that he had last year. Uh, if the Bruins are supposed to do anything, we have to have productivity from him. Um, yes, I, I'm. I'm. You know, I, I really. Sh I'm going to be honest with you. I shot on him last year. Uh, maybe I shouldn't have. I have to support my team. I understand. But had he been a little bit more productive, maybe we would have beat the Islanders. I don't know. Um, what, what do you think? What What do you think? Kind of year he's going to have. He, I think the Bruins need him now more than more than ever. And I wrote a column about this on on Causeway Crowded. I, I I put it on Twitter, um, which has been very well received. And I do think that he is going to have to have a big season. Will he? That's the other question. Yeah. Because the number one thing that I've seen with with um with, with DeBrus is that he is probably the most streakiest hockey player in terms of goal scoring that I've seen across this league. Like when he's hot, he's really going. Like, but when he's but when he's cold, who he's cold. Like you you don't yeah. even see him on the score sheet 
whether it be assist or anything like that. And he's definitely not making a um, making any sort of an impact defensively either because he's not that type of player. So, so if I'm the Boston Bruins, and I'm a Bruins fan, like I understand, like I personally was very critical of Jake DeBrus last season because I felt like there are times where you were not getting that effort because he, he was all. getting frustrated that he wasn't putting the puck in the back of the net. And that's the kind of thing that management had to had they had to have a talk with DeBrus where they were like, listen, um, we need you. We're giving you one last shot. But we need you to be a lot more consistent than than, than what you have been uh, during the first uh, three seasons of your career. And I think that the Bruins, if they can get 30 goals out of DeBrus this season, that will be huge, especially <laughs> for the bottom six. Yeah. Wow. Uh, yeah. Well, you could see the comment here on the screen. Joe Bentevenia, loyal Bruins fan and uh, moderator of a huge Boston Bruins group uh, in, in based in, in Montreal. He needs mm -hmm. a big season or else he's gone by March. Uh, a lot I of agree. people have, have that sentiment that this is his last uh, his last chance. I'm hoping you're right. I'm hoping you're right, Shukri, because um, I, I don't know. We need it. We need it because uh, for me, there's nothing more important, honestly, to give that last try to my my Bergie. I call him my Bergie because he's the love of my life. A fellow Quebecois. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's not he's not too far from uh, he grew up well, he grew up near Quebec City, mm. which is not too far from Montreal. Uh mm. Bergie and of course uh our, our beloved Marchand. Mm. Uh, even though he's got a few more years, you know, I, I want to just touch that last base, last thing about Boston. And you you had done something about it in terms of how I believe you did when when Bergie said a certain statement in terms. Let me after this, the end of my contract. Let me take it year by year. Yeah. Now, mm -hmm. honestly, Shukri, I'll be honest with you. Before you even answer me here, okay, mm -hmm. you got to be very sensitive to me because <laughs> sensitive with your response because I cannot. I don't want to live in a world that Patis Bejeron doesn't play hockey for the Boston Bruins. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, no, I'm jo all joking aside. Um, mm -hmm. How do you see how do you see the makeup of this team once Bergie is is retired? Because obviously he's gonna retire as a Bruin because he cannot wear another another jersey. How do you see this organization? He's been he's been, you know, what is 18 now? 18? Yeah, 18 season. He is the face, he's the heart and soul of this team. Um, how do you see this team? Moving on in terms of you know, they always they always talk about the Boston Bruin. Um uh, what's it? What's it called? The synergy. Um, yeah, the the Bruins nucleus. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, mm -hmm. so so how does the team? You know, I'm hoping he's he's instilled it enough to the younger ones. You know, to the Charlie McAvoy's, the Brandon Carlos, uh, the Pasternak's. How does this team look after he retires? It's a hard question. I don't even <laughs> I don't even think it's a question I can really bring myself to, but. Um, <laughs> I I can't see him playing anywhere else, let alone let alone Montreal. Like although he's from Quebec, um, no, no, he I, hates I, he hates the Canadians. He hates the Canadians. He grew up like he, he, he grew up a Nordiques fan. Yeah, he Quebec a Quebec Nordiques fan. He despises the Canadians. Let's let's leave wow. it at that. Yes, yes, yeah. Like <laughs> <laughs> like I've I've had the privilege of meeting Bergeron um um before in person, and the fact that he just like. It's like the fact that he despises the the, the halves. It's like yes, okay, like I, I like like thank you. Yes. Um, <laughs> but um, in all seriousness, the, the that's a big question that Bruin fans are gonna be wondering all season long. Um, and I just think that for a guy like Bergeron, like 
you can't replace the guy. And, he, and he's still a top three centerman in the league, yeah. best two-way forward in the game yeah. at age 36. Yeah. I mean, I was just at training camp um, last at, at the end of last week, and I saw him skate, and I'm like, he still skates like he like he's 27, 28 years old. Like he was never the fastest skater, but he still got that yeah. got got that quickness on the, on the, with the edging and so forth. And it's like retire. No, huh? no, like, he's not gonna nah. no. like, <laughs> like I mean, Bergy is the guy that I really do believe in that he sh- he really should be a Bruin for life. He was what makes him special. Just only a tick ahead of Sedano Chara is the fact that he was drafted by the Bruins. Yeah, and that he was part of that part of oh, Chara Bergeron. They those two were, were the two guys that spearheaded the change for the franchise forever for the better. Um, especially when Chara arrived in two thousand six. Yeah. Like, but it was Bergeron that started like, as a rookie in in 03, you know, playing alongside William Nylander. Um, and like, oh man, like I can't see him playing anywhere else. But as for what's going to happen, I think he will return on a one year deal. But I also do believe that you have to prepare that he may leave because in sports you learn you never ever say never. Oh, this can't happen. Like, yeah, I mean, you saw Chara leave. You saw. Um, Tom Brady leave New England, for example. Like, True. I mean, like, so these things are not out of the realm of possibility. It's it can happen, but I just hope that he does play his entire career in Boston for sure. I think he will. I think he will. My my buddy Joe again. You're I'll gonna love this comment, one. Yeah. He says when Boogie retires, we're going back to the mid '90s, the dark years. Oh, I, I, I hope not. <laughs> I hope that does not include bringing back the damn pool beer. Oh gosh, no, like, Joe, no, Joe. No, no, <laughs> we're not no going thanks. back to the. We're not going back there. No. Um, so yeah, well, let's hope, and uh, I'm looking forward to the season as well. Um, sure. I hope you have you have time to uh, to discuss one last uh, topic that I wanna wanted to run by you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I wanted to get your take on this, um, especially after what what happened, transpired today. Uh, this absolutely disgusting, despicable act uh, that came out—the story that came out of the Ukrainian Hockey League. Mm. Um, yeah. Andrei Deneskin of HC Kremenchuk. Uh, mm. He was uh, ejected after taunting Jelen Smirik of HC Donbas, Donetsk. Mm. Uh, I won't even tell you what he did because it's absolutely disgusting. I, I saw, I saw the video. Honestly, I, like, yeah, so I, I, I know. I saw it too. Uh, I, I don't even want to merit saying it on air, but I'm pretty yeah. sure everybody knows what we're talking about. Yeah. He was mimicking, um, uh, peeling a banana and eating it. So, so yeah. of, of course, uh, Jeline Smirik is is a, is a black hockey player in this mm-hmm. in this team in um, in Ukraine. Mm-hmm. And today, I don't know if you saw came down this ridiculous suspension yeah uh of of three games uh and plus 10 if they pay a fine of a thousand eight hundred whatever mm-hmm. dollars what a i'm not joke. Even, yeah I, i'm not yeah. even surprised at that and what i hear here here's my take on this okay Shukri, what i'm what mm-hmm. i'm surprised what i'm surprised i'm not surprised that that, that because ukraine is ukraine that's that's another story mm-hmm. we all know that there's no place for this in hockey Unfortunately, it's still happening. I cannot believe this. We're still dealing with this kind of bullshit mm-hmm. in 2021. Um, but what bothers me the most, Shuk- Shukri, is mm-hmm. how callous and easy he did this gesture towards this 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 black hockey player. How mm-hmm. um, how his 
apology was complete bullshit. Mm -hmm. I could see all if it offended anybody, of course. Yeah. And so, so forget about that. My, my, my question to you, and you know, I know that the NHL has, has created this, um, anti-racial, um, uh, or togetherness committee that the few hockey players are. Yeah. What could be done? What could we do? Shukri? What could we do to, to, I, I just, I can't believe we're still having this discussion. You know, the, the sport that I love, the, I love more than anything that we're still, you know, talking about this, that these taunts and these comments and these, I, I cannot believe it's happening. I, I just can't. I can. I, I, I'll tell you why, because this is not something new. Like we've seen it happen time and time and time again in hockey. Like, I mean, like we've we've seen this happen with with, with George LaRoque. Um, we've seen this yeah. happen like with Kevin Weeks. We've seen this happen like with uh, with with, uh, with Wayne Simmons in the past before. Yeah. If you remember in 2012, yes. um, I believe it was jo- it was Joe Ward. Who scored that? Yeah, it was Joe Watt who scored that game, that game seven overtime winner for against, against, against us against the Bruins. Yes, yes, I Caps, remember. Bruins, of course, 20, 2012. Yeah, I went to bed crying. Um, that, yeah, and like <laughs> we've seen these inc- incidents happen over and over and over again. But what bothers me about this particular incident is that not only that it was so blatant, but the fact that they said, "Hey, three games, and if you pay the fine, we'll just take off the other 10. It's like, it's like, are you freaking kidding me? Like when I made that video earlier today about how I find the whole hockey is for everyone really a a bunch of BS. Like I really felt strongly about that because I feel like although they've made some like some and I do mean some progress, it's not enough. But this isn't this isn't an NHL issue. But obviously, because hockey, as we know, is such a close knit community that it is it is a hockey issue. That we need to talk about, and and that I think that for 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 this individual, if he decides that he wants to no longer play, I don't blame him. I think his teammates should, in fact, stick up stick up for him and say we're not going to play because that ruling was absolute horse horse crap. And I think that this really proves to me that hockey has a deep issue, especially hockey culture has a deep issue, especially when it comes to. What play what 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 black uh, <laughs> hockey players at that and the way that they're treated either by the opponents and even sometimes when they, when they're hazed within their own locker room. I mean, should I remind everybody about the whole Akeem Alou situation? Mm, yeah. Like, I mean, should I re- should I remind people about you know like this th- these type of stories are not uncommon at all, and it's just it's just disturbing. This whole story and situation it just makes me sick, and I think one thing that we can in fact, do is that we really need to like start instituting bans, not 13 game. I mean, actual lifetime bans. Because listen, what other way our players are going to get their or, or get the message? The this message. is not acceptable. Like we need to get this out of the sport to give people lifetime bans, and they that will that they will fear for their livelihood, and they will and they will really think twice before they start you know making such such vulgar and racist um, acts of, of bigotry on the ice. So here's the thing. I just had a thought, right? Because yeah. you did say it is a hockey problem. It is. Um, mm. Because I'm thinking, right, it is one of the only sports that's predominantly white, right? Exactly. Not like the mm. NFL, not like the NBA. So so naturally that, you know, unfortunately it is a problem. But I, I'm just like, 
how you know you can't go you can't you can't ban fans from walking into a, a, a but when it's happening between players it's not even fans here it's a it's, it's a player it's players so yeah. this is this is where it's different it's a freaking player ban him ban him but the, you know then you what message are you sending here 10 13 games three games what Stop message is, it's nothing it's it's saying yeah. that basically yeah we agree with it do whatever the hell you want call these guys do whatever gestures you want right so I, I was just I'm just trying to understand, you know, short of like you just said in terms of solutions here. I don't know if there's any other solutions, Shukri. I really I don't know. I, I, I don't know. And and it just it bothers me because I love this sport so much, but we shouldn't be talking about this bullshit. We shouldn't oh. be talking about this. No, no. I mean, Willow Reed didn't play hockey and color and, and, and you know and, and fight the color barrier for the Boston Bruins to come. I don't know how many years later we're still talking about this in 2021. 60, 63 years later. 63 years later. Come on, guys. Jesus, man. Like I, it's, it, it's it's disgusting. It's, like it's like I'm a lot more controlled, like controlling in terms of my, my emotions right now. But the more I think about it, it's like, oh, yeah, we've come a long way, but we still got a long way to go. And it's like incidents like this is where the entire hockey community should be should be angry. And and I and I really I agree with what um I, I read parts of what um Elliot Friedman of, of Sportsnet and Hockey Night in Canada. Oh, that was fantastic! Uh, like fantastic. I'm like, yeah, the I, the double IHF should step in and institute uh, an international bank because this makes absolutely no sense. Like you, what kind of message are you sending? And 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 honestly, if he wants to, I'm sorry, I forget the the player's name, but but feel free to to, to correct me again. Uh, yeah, the the player that wants uh, Jaylene Smerick. Yeah, uh, J- oh, was it J Jaylene? J A L E N. Oh, oh, Jaylene's um, Jaylene Smerick. Smerick. Um, yeah, Smerick. Um. If he wants to continue his career in North America, I think they sh- every single door should be open and say, "Hey, come. You want to play in a Q in a QMH on um, JL? Come, come through. You want to play in a WHL? WHL? Come through. You want to play in the AHL? Come on in. Like, there's a team that's willing to, to um, to to bring it in and to men- to to back up Joe's comment in the in the comment feed. Mm. He's right. For God's sakes, remember remember Bill Peters. Yes. And that whole thing that went down a couple of years ago. Yes, I do. Like, like that. Yeah, like to that that whole situation proved Joe's point. Like, no, he's not nitpicking. He's right. And we, I think hockey has to do a better job of bringing these things to light. Where like we have an open and honest conversations about about situations like this because this is something that. I mean, I'm sorry, but if if, if I'm on the ice, like I'm at that point, I'm like, no, no, no. You you can suspend me or whatever, but that's not okay. That's absolutely not okay. It, you know, it's 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 ironic. Um, tomorrow, uh, Canada has instilled a new federal holiday, um, which is uh, Truth and Reconciliation Day, mm. where we could reflect on how we've dealt with the natives in in Canada, with the whole assimilation schools and the mass mm. graves that they've just uh, they just uh, um, found. So. You know, th- th- there there are ways that we could reconciliate. There are ways, but we, like you said, we have to be able to have that that conversation. And on that committee, I'm not sure if you're aware, Shukri. I'm asking you the question. Sure, the, sure. Com- the committee that the players created in the NHL is it all black players? 
Well, it's most of um of black players, yeah. Like the the alliance community, yes. yeah. Like with uh, with Matt Dumba, Ryan Reeves, yes. Like just yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. No, I'm just I don't know. I'm just I'm just putting it out there. Maybe there should be some you know some some white players on that committee, and 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 just to see, um, you know, I loved what Brad Machin said mm-hmm. in an interview. He says, you know what? Yeah, it's easy for me to play hockey and and pretend nothing happens. But you know, when people tell me to shut my mouth, no, I'm not going to shut my mouth because all these uh, all these hockey players, no matter what color they are, he goes, they're all my brothers and sisters. He says, and and if I have to try to understand what they go through, the difficulties of what they've gone through. I'm just trying to educate myself. That's all I'm trying to do. Try to understand their point of view. And you know what? I'm so proud of our rats for saying that because yeah. if more people or more NHL players thought of that way, then maybe if you put yourself in that other person's shoes, maybe you start to think twice before you do some stupid racist remark or racist gesture or whatever that is. So I'm really uh, hoping, absolutely. I'm really hoping that, um, I don't know. Something comes of this. The the double IHF does something uh, mm-hmm. that that it opens their eyes in, in North America in in you know in, in the NHL yeah. because uh, to me it's I, I can't I, I'm not I'm not surprised that we are but I, but I, mm-hmm. I, I I can't just I'm just I'm just sad for humanity that we're still having these conversations. I, I'm I'm frustrated more than anything else with that that we're still having this conversation as yeah. like as a as a hockey team as a sport because. As you mentioned, we're in 2021, and we're still talking about like players who are emboldened enough to to, to do racist gestures openly on the ice. Yeah. Like, heaven forbid that this happens in an actual NHL game. Like, do you? I I I just want people to understand. You understand that line brawls are breaking out, right? Yeah. There's, like, it's just. I oh I would like to at least think so because there's just no way. There's just no place. There's there's no place for this. Like, it's just um. Like wow, uh, yeah. You, no, you made me think of something else. I wonder what that. At least it's you know not a, an NHL player openly doing this. If we're gonna try to find the positive here, but I'd like to have known what the reaction of his teammates would have been. Unlike the bozos that were just standing next to him on the ice when he's uh, peeling a banana and did yeah. absolutely nothing. Anyway, let's let's not even warrant this with 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 yeah, any more. Um, I agree. Yeah, um, Shukri, I I I want to say. Well, first of all, tell tell everyone where they could find you on social media, um, listen to you online, whatever whatever it is. Go ahead, shoot. Absolutely. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Shukri Writes at S H U K R I W R I G H T S at Shukri Writes. That's my Twitter handle. Follow me on Instagram at S W R I G H T S R A D I O underscore. That's S Writes Radio underscore. Um, that's where you can follow me on social media. You can listen to the Shukri Wright Show on 91.5 FM WMFO um, every Monday e- afternoons, soon to be evenings from 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. And follow me on Twitter for updates as to like when I'm on the air because I also do shows outside of my regular time slot as well during the week um, and, and whatnot. And you can listen to the Know Your Right Show as well Tuesday mornings from 8 a.m. to 10 a.m on 100.1 FM WBRS and as well as WBRS.org. The Sugar Right Show, you can go ahead and listen to it now, as a matter of fact. Uh, okay. You can listen to it on demand as part of the Sugar Rights Podcast, which you could find on iHeartRadio, Odyssey, Spotify, and, and on all major uh, podcast uh, platforms as well. Awesome. I'll put that in the show notes, uh, your Twitter handle, and of course, your IG uh, handle as well. Shukri, I want to thank you so much. This has been awesome. I really appreciate the time you took for us this evening. 
um so stay on uh, stay on air or just stay on and we'll, we'll have a chat offline so thank you everyone for for cheering, uh, tuning in next week i think we're going to do a, a couple of a uh, couple of shows next week probably two shows but uh check out my uh, my uh, ig or my facebook account i'll be keeping you up to date thank you everyone have a great evening Thanks for listening to the Agree to Disagree show. Make sure you like, subscribe, and tell all your friends about it. Until next time.